0: are listening to the bat flip podcast a baseball podcast from belly up sports and the belly up podcast network here are your hosts damien and matt welcome back everyone to the bat flip podcast my name is damien here with my co-host matt coming to you on may 18th of 2021 had a pretty exciting week in baseball this week we had a record be broken we had some major injuries happen, some major guys coming back from injuries, and then some other, um, you know, status of the game updates that we kind of want to talk about and, and put a little bit more time about, kind of the bullpen situations, and then with an old school manager coming into a new school game, and uh, you know how that relationship is kind of butting heads a little bit. Uh, but before we jump into all that, how you doing, Matt?
1: Doing great. Uh, just um, hanging out, working on some stuff, working on my. You know obviously my job but <laughs> working on my house too I, you know I just bought a new a, a townhouse and doing some renovation to it for before I move so uh, that'll be coming soon but I uh been doing great just a little exhausted that's for sure
0: yeah I always figure out that you've been telling me how much you've been working on that all the time so it's pretty exciting though once you'll get it uh, get it up moving and get yourself a new little podcast area
1: yeah for sure I'm, I'm hoping to kind of step things up a little bit once I get into this new place so yeah.
0: Sounds perfect. Well, let's jump into this. Um, The new record we had um, broken this week was Corbin Burns. You know, he came back from that IL injury, but we had been talking about him before Um, so far this year. He had just been a strikeout machine and no walks. Um, And I believe the major league record was 51 strikeouts to no walks before. Um, And he ended up breaking that and getting to 53 um, strikeouts before he walked anybody this year.
1: Yeah. And, um, what a, what a remarkable accomplishment from Corbin Burns and um, just exciting pitcher throws in the upper 90s and different types of pitches, throwing, you know, upper 90s cutters, which is kind of unheard of. Um, obviously, upper 90s sinkers are not necessarily unheard of these days, but um, just a phenomenal talent. He really started to, to take it up a notch last year, figure things out at the big league level, and then my gosh, this year he's been incredible. Um, the, the the record is insane. Um, you look at his his line here, you know, on the season, 34 innings, 15 strikeouts per nine, and .2 walks per nine. You, you typically, when you think of a guy who is getting this many strikeouts, typically they are walking some guys, just because guys are getting to two strike pitches and they're so, usually meaning they're watching a lot of pitches and uh that has not been the case so far in um in this season for for the uh for Corbin Burns he's just been insane and I mean you think about the amount of players that control pitchers like like Greg Maddox and there's that year Kershaw had just a couple walks in the first half of the season and you know all these guys and none of them were able to put up what Corbin Burns done this year which is uh pretty remarkable and um good for him glad to see him figuring it out and um, you know obviously him and uh, Woodruff are really keeping the Brewers in it so
0: yeah and and it this is actually another big week for the Brewers as well because they're getting their former MVP Christian Yelich back from the IL he was just activated today and that's going to be a big big bat that gets thrown back into that lineup and if, if Burns and Woodruff can keep doing with their thing and Yelich can come back and show you know some sort of his mvp form he's really struggled these past couple years that will be a big help for the brewers
1: yeah you hope his back injury doesn't linger because i I think that might have been a little bit of his problem last year might have been injury related and um you know hopefully he comes back and and gets to 100 percent. but there are there's a lot of talk and a lot of worry that he's not going to be 100 percent. so um you know we'll see what uh we'll see what they end up doing and how he does uh strikeout rate was a problem last year his strikeout spiked and hopefully uh hopefully he's able to bring him back down a little bit this year and figure things out but uh so far I mean in his first couple weeks of the season he didn't look very good at the plate he struck out a lot and looked very similar to how he looked last year and hopefully this IL stint and getting you know a little bit rested and maybe that back healing up a little bit will help him but it sounds like it might be a an injury that could linger, which is very unfortunate, but very, very good to see him uh, at least come back off the IL. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, keeping on that injury train. Um, you know, there's going to be more of the high-profile names, but Giancarlo Stanton went on the IL with the left quad strain. This really, really sucks for Stanton because he was looking back to that, you know, Miami Marlins style of Stanton. I mean, this year he's batting 282 16 runs, nine homers, 24 RBIs. Um, Kind of getting back in his career line with his, you know, strikeout to kind of walk ratio from his Miami days, and uh, it just injury bug always seems to bite Stanton.
1: Yeah, and and I get, um, I, I I was real hesitant to say Stanton is back this year, and the main reason is for, for because of the injuries and the fact that injuries have been an issue for him ever since he got to new york he had injury problems when he was in uh when he was in miami as well i don't think too many people remember the ham eight bone injury that cost him half a season down there and um it's really it really sucks for stanton because because this guy was, was killing it but uh this is part of what you're dealing with with stanton and um you know hopefully it's not too long of an injury but you know you never know when he'll come back so you know, last year he I think he dealt with a very similar leg injury so um, sometimes guys just the soft tissue injuries like that can can regenerate so
0: absolutely um, well another injury we had which is probably the biggest one and we just it just broke today um, and that's Mike Trout he strained his calf muscle yesterday trying to run from second to third um, nobody knew, really knew what the diagnosis how long it was going to be um, but once they placed him on the IL today, they announced that it's supposed to be about a six to eight week recovery.
1: Yeah. And that's unfortunate. Um, I wonder if trout has been dealing with this a little bit as uh, some kind of calf injury, because he has struggled a little bit lately compared to trout standards. Um, you know, he got off to that blistering start to the season. And then over the past few weeks, he, he seems to have cooled off a lot and, uh, you know, they just put him on the IL today and they pulled him out of the game last night after he was, I think he was running to first and then he pulled up, but, um, it's yet another soft tissue injury and that's, that's been a, a theme this year. I saw, you know, on Monday, I believe, or maybe it was, it was, it was Sunday. The Mets had two guys leave Conforto and Jeff McNeil left with, with hamstring injuries. They've been all over the place this year. So, um, I don't know if it has to do with the last year having a shortened season where maybe guys didn't work out quite as much or aren't quite as good a game shape or if it's just a, a random blip on the radar. Or maybe it's the fact that guys are swinging harder and throwing harder than they ever have before. But, uh, you know, another another one down. And of course, you know, Trout being the best player in baseball, you absolutely hate to see him go out for any extended period of time it's not good for the game and um it's not good for our prediction for the Angels either no
0: it's not you know and, and they've been dealing with that injury bug this year as well i mean losing Anthony Rendon yeah. and then he came back and immediately came back went back on the IL Dexter Fowler which he wouldn't be much of a help but still he tore his ACL he's been out um you know so like you said it doesn't look good for our prediction but it just really really sucks because it, I love watching Mike Trout play baseball. I mean, he's just so good, and, and and nobody hates Mike Trout. I don't think anybody can hate Mike Trout. So, to see somebody as of his stature get an injury like this, you know, it it not only sucks for the fans, but it sucks for baseball in general because, you know, their best player going down. I mean, that that just ruins everything.
1: Absolutely. But
0: another injury we had this week though was uh, Huskar Yanoa um i I don't know exactly what happened you'll be able to tell more of what happened but he looks like he's going to be out a couple months with a broken hand after punching a wall
1: yeah so he had a start on sunday against the brewers where he he really didn't throw that badly but it was he had a little bit of bad luck some balls fell in whatever and he was frustrated young guy he's 22 years old and um frustrated and he punched the bench and apparently broke a bone in his hand and it's going to be out a couple months it really it's really a bummer for him because he had gone from a guy who people thought he has pretty good stuff he might be a bullpen arm to being quite honestly the best starter for the braves so far this year and you know one of the better starters in the nl he had been really 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 good um so it sucks to see him miss some time hopefully that doesn't um you know, keep him out of a groove, but you know it's it, it, You know, with it being a broken bone, it's something he'll definitely come back from when it's when it's healed up and ready to go. So, um, we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens with him. I, I'm, I'm hoping that um, hoping that he'll be back soon. So,
0: yeah, hopefully. Um, another hand injury though we had was Corey Seager uh, got hit with a pitch on his right hand, and an at bat I believe it was on Friday night. Um, and it does look like he'll be out four to five weeks, but no surgery was required for that one.
1: Yeah, um, that's 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 unfortunate. Corey Seager, he's been having a decent year, not not quite as good as what what appeared to be a, a somewhat of a breakout year last year, and um, you know in the sixty game season. But he him going down definitely hurts the Dodgers. You could probably talk about talk about Corey Seager more than me, but um, he um, you know you. He definitely they definitely need him to get back and get healthy. Dodgers injuries are piling up, too, um, which leads us to our next point and
0: that the Dodgers made a signing after that. Yeah, we talked about it last week, but, um, you know, him being released and it was really shocking. uh, But that's future Hall of Famer Albert Pujols actually signed with the Dodgers for the rest of the season. Um, A move that I don't think anyone saw coming. I mean, we thought this was definitely an AL type of guy, go somewhere where first base, DH a little bit more, kind of be more of a bench bat there. Um, And news broke on, I think it was Sunday, was it Sun? No, Saturday. It was on Saturday that the Dodgers signed him, and you know our group chat kind of lit up, was like, "What the heck's going on?" But once you you know look into it deeply, the, the with the Dodgers they have like 14 players on the IL right now. You know, we've talked about Bellinger missing for a good part of the year. We've talked about AJ Pollock. Even he went on the IL this week with the hamstring injury. Um, Mookie Betts had missed time. Now Seager's missing time with his broken hand. I mean, they were using guys like Luke Rayleigh and Sheldon noisy, um, you know, as, as everyday players almost. I mean, even Edwin Rios, which was supposed to be a backup first baseman type this year. He's out for the year with his torn labrum. So, you know, once you looked at more than the surface level of the name signing to the team, it made a little bit more sense. He'll be a bench bat, a mentor. Looks like he'll probably get a bulk of time playing against lefties, um, playing first base, and then they'll be able to slide Muncie over to like second or third or something. But really blew my mind when I uh, when I got back and saw that the Dodgers had signed Albert Pujos. What about you?
1: Yeah, I, I think it actually makes sense that now that I've thought about it more because I. I Albert Pujols has, has done some good things this year. The, the first thing being that he's, he's cut his strikeout rates back down, which, you know, never really went up that high, but you know, he's striking out around the 14 to 15% mark right now. And back, you know, with, with the other Dodgers bench guys that they've had, they've been, you know, up in the 20, upper twenties to thirties, you know, noisy DJ Peters, those types of guys really have struggled against, um, have, have really struggled to, to hit, um, to, to make contact. And and one thing that I think could be really beneficial is to have a guy on the bench who you can bring in and you can expect to make some form of contact, whether it's, you know, you know, he needs to come in and hit a sack fly or what. And, and Albert Pujols has also been very unlucky this year on balls and play. He's never going to run a high babbit ever because of his Achilles injuries, speed, all that stuff. But, um, he's got like a one seventy or one eighty Babip and he definitely that's way under anything he's done in his career and he's still hitting the ball fairly hard. Uh so it's a guy who I think is uh, you know, he could help the Dodgers in some ways. He's he's definitely in a better role for him now. He bench bat, you know, maybe get an occasional start at first base, but you know, once the Dodgers get a little bit healthier again, I think that you won't see him start very much. But he, he I think he could go into the Dodgers and be kind of like what Pablo Sandoval has been for the Braves and be a guy who, you know, pretty much just pinch hits. So, yeah, um, I it, think it's I think it's fine. You know, a fine signing. There's no downside to it really either.
0: Right. And, and what I was going to say is, is it's pretty much like a former player that the Dodgers had. It's pretty much David Fries it's another David free scenario where he's going to come in, like you said, be a mentor on the, on the bench pinch hit, you know, very, probably often he'll pinch hit because like you said, the bat to ball skills and just the, the at bats he's going to give you compared to some of these other guys. Um, but very rare starts and just be more of a, a person around the team rather than an impact on the field. Yeah. Um, so it's uh it's exciting. I can, I can now call Albert Pujols a Dodger legend for the rest of my life. So at least I got that. But, well, there was another injury that we did have happen, but we wanted to kind of branch this into another conversation and a little bit longer drawn out one. Um, But that was Kevin Pilar yesterday. I got hit in the face of the 94 mile an hour fastball by, I believe it was Jacob Webb. Yes, it was. It was uh, Jacob Webb. And that kind of just leads to a thing about how, you know, pitchers, but especially bullpen pitchers, are coming in and they're throwing harder than ever, but they're also having less control than ever. Um and are very wild and, and it's putting you know even the batters at risk more than you know what a standard just going up the plate while a guy's throwing 90 miles an hour at you.
1: Yeah. So, for, first off, the 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 biggest concern here is with with, with Kevin Pillar because that was I was watching the game. It was Jacob Webb, obviously, is is a Braves reliever, and I was watching it, and um, you know he, he, I mean, it hit him square in the face, A 94 mile an hour fastball, right on the nose. Uh, apparently he's had multiple n- nasal fractures, but that's all, which is very good sign. Cause I mean, you could have had, he could have had tons of major, major issues from that. I mean, it, it could have hit him in the eye. It could have hit him. It, it could have given him a major concussion could have been worse, but, um, you know, luckily, you know, it's something that he should recover from fairly quickly. Uh, I think they said he's going to have some kind of surgery on his nose to get it, you know, straightened out. And then uh, I think they said 10 to 14 days after that he can start back with some some baseball activities, which is, you know, being out for say say he's out for a month and a half. Uh, being out for a month and a half after something like that is is very good. And um, but but the bigger the bigger picture thing here is that. Like you said, it it feels to me like, and, and I haven't seen too many statistics on it, but it feels to me like relievers are throwing, and I know relievers are throwing harder than ever, but it feels to me like they have less and less idea every year of where it's going. It's almost like they're, you know. It feels to me like the relievers are.
0: They have more of a grip it and rip it mentality.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I agree. They have more of a grip it and rip it mentality, and and, and in a way that's a good thing for some. Some relievers are extremely successful with that because their natural mechanics give them good control. And if you have that grip it and rip it and you can throw hundred miles an hour and, and your mechanics allow you to put it in the zone, it's going to be hard to hit whether you're commanding it or not. But there's a lot of problems right now with relievers just going up there and having absolutely no clue where it's going. I mean, you look at, you know, Jacob Webb is, is an example. I mean, this is a guy who he had walked, he had walked one guy and he had, intentionally walked another guy and you know he's just up there i mean he rears back and throws that as hard as he possibly can on a three-two pitch and has just no clue where it's going he 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 doesn't it's 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 one of those things where you can't just slow down your pitching motion because it'll throw your timing off and it'll make you you'll lose your control that way but it's it's also the fact that you really have to you really have to figure out some way to throw strikes and 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 to and to a certain extent as well i mean I feel like pitching, coaching, and stuff has has really turned away from this to a certain level.
0: Yeah, it, it pitching really has turned away from being able to learn how to pitch and and just worried more about how fast you can throw and you know not even really caring about if you can make it a strike if you can just make it look like a strike at any point. But it seems like nowadays they're just not even you know pitchers just don't even have that mentality they're just we're just going to get up here we're going to throw it as hard as we can and hope it hope it goes into the zone and hope I don't hit anybody and you know like you said it's turning the game a complete different way where guys are going to be able to you know they're they're obviously going to know that it's a ball most times than not now you're going to be able to bring more walks into the game but at what price is that going to pay i mean if i mean we've already saw two people get hit in the face this year I mean, Pilar's one. We talked about Bryce Harper. Luckily, Harper didn't get a bigger injury from it. Um, but it's just, I mean, with the as little reaction time as these guys have and as little time as you actually see a major league ball getting thrown as fast as it is, I mean, it's just a scary scenario for, for batters now. I mean, you see most of them starting to wear that little, like, chin guard little thing so it can block more than most of their face. But... I mean, you just hate to see things like this, and, and I don't know what the thing is if if pitchers need to start having some sort of substance, sticky substance that they can hold onto the ball more, um, you know, or if they just need to learn how to throw the ball better. I mean, get back into the art of actually pitching and not just throwing. You know, you hear old school pitchers say that a lot of the time. We were pitchers, and now these guys are just throwers nowadays
1: yeah and and part of it too i think you know if you watch a lot of these guys who are having issues a lot of it's mechanical a lot of it's them flying open and trying real hard to, to throw just throw the absolute crap out of the ball and i mean I, I feel like a lot of that can be coached out of them i mean it's not you know gone or the days where your pitchers are the, their main focus is repeating their mechanics now it's just how hard can you throw it seems like and um i don't know who's responsible for that i don't know if it's something that you know, I don't think it's analytical that teams are wanting that to happen because I really don't think that walking tons of guys, even if you are striking out a few more is, is going to help you too much. But, um, you know, I, I think a lot of times these guys are the velo has become such a big deal to teams and picking guys up and drafting guys and everything that I feel like that a lot of times pitchers focus more on that than anything else these days. And, and that could be a problem, but, um, you know, luckily, to, uh, Kevin Pillar is OK. Um, he actually said in his press conference, they interviewed him today. He said he was more worried about Jacob Webb because of how much that can shake up a pitcher to uh, just get the get the get the yips a little bit. And uh, luckily, um, it sounds like Jacob Webb is um, it sounds like Jacob Webb is OK. And um, they both are, you know, they both have apparently texted and talked to each other. And it was obviously unintentional. Um, there was a basis loaded situation, so I mean, he wasn't like he was trying to throw in and hit him on purpose or anything. So, um, very, a, um, very hopeful that, um, that you know, things get better on this front because this, this, this is something that could really seriously injure somebody.
0: Yeah, and it's good for Pilar for, you know, standing up and, and talking that way about Jacob Webb and, and really saying, you know, that he knows it's not intentional and stuff. We've seen guys that have got hit in the face before. I mean, Harper did the same thing saying that he, you know, the guy he knows it's not intentional and stuff and things happen, but we've seen in in the past where guys who get hit by pitches, especially near the, you know, near the face or in the face have really held grudges. I mean, look at John Carlos Stanton to Mike fires to this day. They still don't talk and they won't even, you know, want to be around each other or even, you know, they don't even hardly want to look at each other. Even if one's standing in the batter's box and one's on the mound. So, you know, good for a guy like Pilar to, to really yeah. just stand up and, and you know, say, say that it's okay and that it happens, which we know it does happen, but it, it's something that we want to get out of the game, obviously.
1: Yeah. And, and one other, one final point on this, too, is that this is something where I think that pitcher or that hitters getting really frustrated and upset about things like this. Is something that is completely totally warranted, even if it is unintentional, because
0: absolutely, I mean,
1: you you have a responsibility. I feel like as a pitcher, you're going out there on the mound to not do this, to, to not to, to take care of the hitter injury wise and not hit him in the face. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you have a responsibility to. I mean, You might, you might not have pinpoint con- control. Baseball is really hard. It's really cool. hard to throw strikes and not get just absolutely obliterated. But and,
0: and it's not even it's not even just that, but. It's that the batter is putting basically his well-being on the Mm -hmm. line when he steps into that box. Yeah, absolutely. Being able to provide for his family. I mean, this could have been much worse. This could have ended Kevin Pillar's career.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, and
0: he would never have been able to get another payday. I mean, he's probably well off, but still, he never would have been able to get paid more, and now it affects how he's going to be able to provide for his family and his future. I mean, things like this, like you said, it's the pitcher's responsibility to know that he's got the batter's safety in his hands
1: yep it absolutely 100 percent true and um you know hopefully that some of these young pitchers begin to understand this again um and you know hopefully hopefully some of them you know see some of these situations It's the second time this has happened this year luckily the first time you know really no injury resulted from it and then this time obviously it was a you know at least um i won't say minor injury because of how it looked but it was it wasn't a super severe type injury but um you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully we see that you know Kevin Pillar come back healthy, and hopefully we see some of these young pitchers kind of look at these situations, and say, "Hey, wait a minute, I need to work on this really hard." So but we'll see.
0: Well, another kind of point we wanted to to get into and conversate about was, you know, we talked a little bit at the time as it happened when the White Sox hired Tony Larusa about how that relationship was really going to mend with the, you know, his style and being an old school manager to now kind of how the game is now with more of the let the kids play and the more emotional um, the players are these days, and it seems like, I mean, we had a recent thing today happen or yesterday and conversations over today with about how. Um, you know, some situations in the White Sox team has been handled, but it starts looking like, you know, the players and La Russa and, and maybe the clubhouse just doesn't have a great feel to it, even though they are succeeding on the field.
1: Yeah. I think if you look at, if you look at this, the, the ownership of the, the White Sox was, has an infatuation with Tony La Russa back from back years and years and years ago when they fired him and they, then he went in one world series elsewhere and they wanted to bring him back. And I, I, you know, I feel like there is more of that than he's a good man for the job. But um, you look at this and honestly, I, I didn't expect it to be this way. And the reason for that is because I felt like, you know, if you come into this situation and, and this current team, this modern day roster, as a manager, your job is to get along with the players, regardless of whether, you know, you are, regardless of whether you're, you're having a, you know, a, a, an issue like, like what happened last night's game, or if the team's not playing well, or the, the people were, people talked a lot about, you know, kind of old fashioned construction of lineups, um, that kind of thing, and i think that if you look at at tony Larusa and i just i i just i i'm I'm really surprised that this has come up uh i thought that a lot of the talk about it was going to be just kind of unfounded or whatever but um but man i mean you know i don't understand i don't understand giving take signs in a 3-0 count in that situation regardless um (laughs) Because wouldn't the team that's pitching throwing a position player on the, out of the mound? Don't they want the game to get over with as soon as possible? So taking on 3-0 and taking walks probably keeps that from happening for one thing. And I mean, just swing the bat. I mean, I, I don't, I don't get the, I don't get the whole situation here. I, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of times that swinging on a 3-0 is hurting yourself more so than anything else. So if it's potentially hurting yourself, how is it tr- like adding on or rubbing it in or anything like that? I, I don't get it um obviously the twins are throwing a position player on the mound maybe if the twins were going to get offended which i don't think the twins were offended uh maybe if the twins were were, were going to get offended maybe they should you know not throw a position player on the mound <laughs> but um i mean i don't i don't understand i don't understand why that's why this has to be such a big deal but um you know i think in the for the white Sox. For, one or two, there's two things I think have come out of this. The first thing is I don't think Tony La Russa has a good relationship with the players there. Um, you know, I think a lot of the players have, have kind of hinted that they're not speaking out against them because he is their manager. But I think they've kind of hinted at, you know, not being super happy with the way he's running things. And the second thing is that the manager really doesn't matter that much in baseball. It's a game that's played by players and, Unless they are just completely butchering the bullpen, something like throwing a throwing terrible relievers. And when you got a one run lead in the eighth inning instead of your closer or something, you know, unless they're just doing something egregious like that, I really don't think they're necessarily going to do too much to a team, like whether there's a little bit of lineup construction stuff or, you know. I don't think stuff like this at the end of the day really matters all that much for a team. Cause I don't think the players are going to quit trying because Tony Larusa is being an asshole. And I don't think that Tony LaRussa is going to bench his best players for more than one game for doing something like this. I don't think he's going to bench his players at all. I think he said he was not going to, that there was not going to be any kind of playing time issue with, with your Mercedes. So I, I just don't, I just don't like that this is a situation still.
0: No. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not so much the thing. It's everything he said, though. It, it's just really bad the way he's come out and said it. Like, one thing is he made a mistake. It won't happen again. Like, well, it, maybe it will. Who knows? Like, and then saying that, you know, he's going to have to deal with the consequences inside the our family, you know, inside this clubhouse. He's going to have to deal with consequences for doing that. Like, there should be no consequences for you trying to play the game of baseball at 100 percent all, all the time. I mean like you said the twins were were throwing a position player out there so what if he swings at a 30 count like even other players have said like you know there's a direct correlation between the numbers you put up and what you get paid like sure the one home run might not look like a lot you know when you're going into a potential arbitration hearing later on in your in your career but that's still on the stat I mean that's still one more number that you can put that you know you potentially can Put a little extra money in your pocket for, you know, and it's just this whole thing about the game being so soft nowadays. I mean, I thought we were on a good track with this, but I mean, this is just one instance for for Tony Larusa, you know, and some of his other players, like Tim Anderson, is out there actively speaking that he doesn't think German Mercedes did anything wrong. Yeah. I mean, when your manager's coming out and saying that he's going to have to deal with consequences and all this stuff and then your your star player is out here saying that his teammate didn't do anything wrong and that he shouldn't be punished at all. I mean that just says a, a bad correlation right there between, you know, that organization and the players. And even one of the other players, reliever Evan Marshall, he wasn't saying anything directly or tweeting anything out, but he was liking everyone's tweets that were saying that Yerman's thing was awesome and that Tony Larusa is crazy for saying anything else. You know, that might not be him directly saying it, but that shows his opinions of the situation. Like, it's just, it blows my mind how, uh, you know, an owner can try and bring in a guy like Tony La Russa who, yes, he has been a successful manager in his career and in the past, but the way the game is going, he is not a, a manager that needs to be, you know, for a team like this. The White Sox have been one of the most fun teams to watch anyways over the past couple years. And We said right when this was hired, when Tony La Russa was hired, that we're afraid of this situation because that's not La Russa's style. It's not how he likes to manage and that he's going to try and, you know, take that away from these guys a little bit. It's just, it's not a good look at all. And, you know, it's, it's more than just this situation. There was a, a situation earlier this year where, Lucas Giolito was like completely drained. He was gassed. You could tell he was. And he told him that he's going back out there for the next inning. And Giolito was like, I'm done. Like I'm, I'm out. Like I, I don't have any more energy. And La Russa still told him he's going back out there. Like yeah. and, and the team hears that. Like the teammates heard that right there. And La Russa still forced his player, who already admitted his star pitcher, his best pitcher. He's forcing him back out there after the pitcher has already told him that I am done and pretty much checked himself out of the game. I mean, pitchers have a mindset of their own of being locked into a game, and when they're done, they're done. You can't allow them to keep going back out there. And to you know force your, your best pitcher, your ace guy, to go back out there after he's already mentally checked out of the game and told you that he has no more energy left, I mean, that's just, that's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. And, and on that point, I, I think, you know, there's also, I, I think you can't put a Mac out there if you're Tony Larusa, but I think that's also uh, not a good look from Lucas Giolito. I mean, you look at a lot of the elite pitchers in the game and they want to be out there as long as they can go look at, you know, go look when, uh, he, I mean, you've seen it so many times when Dave Roberts goes out to try to pull Kershaw and he's like, Nope, it's not coming out. And Max Scherzer the same way. Jacob DeGrom the same way. These are the best pitchers of the last 10 years. And you know, they're, they don't like that, but either way, um, you know, you look at this, and I, I mean, I, you know, I don't think stuff like man mismanagement of pitchers or whatever. I, you know, I, obviously, if it was in a situation where Lucas Giolito was injured or, or potentially or had potentially gotten injured, then that would have been bad, but, um, I think it's a situation where if you're Tony Larusa, I mean, I, I expected that there would be some kind of changes in his mindset coming in, you know, as in this newer age with this new young team, and I, but I really don't think if if his mind is set on the way that he has been so far this year, I, I really don't understand how you could stick with him. But um, like I say, it's the, it was that ownership's decision to bring him in um, because of a thirty-year-long, you know
0: relationship
1: yeah I mean it's yeah so I I don't I don't get it but hey you know Tony La Russa you know he's the manager and like it or not the players are going to have to deal with him and that's the way things have got to be and I think it shows a very it shows a much it shows a a potential problem when your players actively are speaking out against the manager in certain ways and I, I think that that can lead to problems down the road but um
0: no it absolutely can because you you can't you know when people when you're looking at free agents or you're looking at stuff everybody's like oh what kind of clubhouse do these guys have if your players right now are actively saying that this is not a good clubhouse no matter how the on-field product looks i mean that's just going to hurt your team in the long run you're not going to be able to get more people into that organization because of the way that the management is running things you know Nobody, if, if people knows that, I mean, if if we know about this situation, then I guarantee there's ten to fifteen more situations that we don't know about. Oh yeah. If this is the stuff that's just leaked out to the media and, and to where you know a, an average Joe like me or you can find it, could you imagine what's going on behind closed doors?
1: Yeah, and I mean, you, and you never know. I mean, there could be it could be the opposite behind closed doors too. We we just don't know. Um, but um, definitely some problems there in, in in Chicago, and you know maybe they'll get it worked out, maybe they won't. It might not even affect them, but um, but we'll um we'll move on and, and talk about one more thing and then do our players of the week. But our, our next topic is something that uh, going from a, a controversial good bad topic to something that I think is just remarkable. Um, and that is that Shohei Otani has retaken the Major League Baseball home run lead with his 13th home run. I believe it was yesterday. He had his 13th.
0: Yeah, and he hit it. It was like a ball at like his forehead. It was, like, so high above the zone. I don't know how he got up there and hit the ball out. Um, But it's amazing to see what a guy like Shohei Otani is doing, you know, leading the league in homers. um, And on the mound, even through 25 innings, has a 2.10 ERA. I mean, this is just – I mean, this is a a once-in-a-lifetime type of player, you know. This is what everybody says that Babe Ruth was like, but we're being able to see something, like, for our own eyes.
1: Yeah, it's it's really remarkable um, what Shohei Otani's been able to do, do and um, you know he, he's not perfect on on either side as a, as a pitcher. You know, you look at his um, his walks; <laughs> he's walking seven guys per nine innings, which is, I mean, pretty terrible. Um, but you know, he's still getting the job done. Tons of strikeouts, and you know he's he's getting the ball on the ground. You know, he's not giving up home runs he's he's still pitching pretty well he's just very inefficient um but if you look at him on the at the plate i mean um the approach could improve a little bit as in you know he's not walking much He's striking out a lot but man when you're hitting the ball as hard as he's hitting the ball it's hard to it's hard to not like it And i mean you look at his 154 wrc plus obviously 13 homers but really he's been a little unlucky on balls in play at 297 BABIP. Um, you know, I think he, he probably is a better, uh, a more patient hitter than his walk rate currently shows, but, uh, he's also shown speed this year. He's got six stolen bases so far, which is pretty crazy. Um, this guy is, uh, this guy's a superstar and he's unlike anything we've seen in the modern game. And, you know, with, with the increasing specialization of players in college and in high school, and obviously in the minors and in the major leagues, it's been going on for years and years, but the increasing specialization of players to being pitchers only or hitters only, um, you know, I don't know how many more times we're going to see something like this, but man, this is remarkable.
0: Yeah, and, and like you said, it, it kind of in the States, it's going away from that scenario, and it's something where, you know, import guys or from guys from Japan or from China or for Korea or something are going to be where you're going to have to find these types of um, players but like i said before it's it's a once in a lifetime you know kind of talent that we're able to see right now so i mean i'm soaking up every minute of it i'm trying to tune in for every shohei otani at bat i'm trying to tune in every time he's on the mound i mean on top of all the other baseball you know we try and watch throughout the week i mean i i try and actively seek out whenever he's on the mound or at bat that's the type of player that shohei otani is and I think that could be good for the game. I mean, it's going to bring a lot more people in, especially if he's able to do both at a really high level. I mean, imagine the star power that he could have on top of you know what he already has.
1: Oh, absolutely. And you know, like I said, he's raw in both yeah. aspects. As a, as a pitcher, he can refine his command a lot more, and as a hitter, he can refine his approach a lot more. He, this guy's he's still got a lot of room to grow. Um, he's not a finished product by any means at the plate. Over on the mound. So uh, Shohei Otani, man, this is getting pretty ridiculous. Hopefully he's able to keep it up and stay healthy. Uh, You know, obviously that's that's really a big question mark. But I I, I tell you, and we need to find, and we'll we'll try to find something for next week's show here. But I want to, I want to, I want to look something up and try to research it a little bit this week. I didn't even think about it until now. But I wonder if he has thrown more balls 100 miles an hour or hit more balls 100 miles an hour. I'd be interesting to look at
0: I, I I think just because of the pure the volume, I think he's probably hit more a hundred miles an hour but that's really interesting
1: i'm gonna have to i'm gonna I'm gonna do some research I'm gonna have to figure that out because I think that's I think that would be something that's really really fun to see because I mean what a remarkable talent I mean there's guys there's guys in the big leagues who are like Nick Madrigal, who will never hit a ball a hundred miles an hour. I mean, that's an exaggeration. He'll hit some, but, and there's definitely tons of guys, very few guys in the big leagues who will ever throw a ball a hundred miles an hour. So um, the fact that this guy can do both at a consistent pace is, is very, very cool and uh, fun to watch. And uh, really, with Trout and Rendon having been saddled with injuries for a lot of the year, and, you know now Trout being out, stuff he's really the only reason to watch the Angels right now. So, um, good stuff for, for Shohei.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's jump over to our players of the week. Um, so where we each pick one hitter, one pitcher from the from the past week, and who we you know it's not technically who had the best week, but it's who we feel that we want to highlight. Um, so for my hitter of the week, I picked Mitch Haniger. Um, he had a slash line of 333, 429, 917 um, this week, 24 at-bats. He had four homers, five RBIs, four walks, um, three strikeouts. It's really good to see a guy like Mitch Haniger doing well, a guy who's always battled injuries, kind of like Carlos Stanton, but more his was bad luck. I mean, he fouled the ball off into his not-so-great man region and got injured from that and broke this bone and broke that bone. I mean, so, see Mitch Hanniger coming back and, and playing really, really well for the Seattle Mariners. I mean, I'm, nobody's happier for him than I am.
1: Yeah, that, that's fantastic news for Mitch Hanager. Um My uh, player of the week is going to be Aaron Judge. Um, he hit five home runs this week, a, a 500 average, 586 on base, 1.167 slugging percentage, which is pretty insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, He's and the big the big change for Judge this week has been his walks to strikeouts. He's he's averaging uh, fourteen walks, fourteen uh, percent walk rate this week, and a seven percent strikeout rate, actually a six point nine percent strikeout rate. Nice, but um, he's that's that's a big deal for Judge. And when he makes contact, I mean he hits the ball. He's big and he could hit the ball a long way, and that's what he's done this week. So good for Aaron Judge on uh, on that. And uh, who's your uh, who's your pitcher, Damian?
0: So I went with Freddie Peralta um, from the Milwaukee Brewers. 13 innings, 3 hits, 0 earned runs, 2 walks, 16 strikeouts. Um, and he did this against the Cardinals and the Braves. So the Cardinals are leading their division. The Braves are a team we've talked about a lot, which is a, a very formidable offense. Um, you know, guys like Freddie Freeman, Ronald Acuna, Marcelo Zuna, Austin Riley has been playing really good this year to be able to shut teams down like that. It's really big for Freddy Peralta finally getting his start at being a pitcher or a starting pitcher again, I should say. They'd kind of relegated him more to the bullpen. He's been a guy that I've always under like kind of liked but under the radar, you know, I expected him to be better than what he really was, but if he can keep up pace like this like he's doing this year um, could be another, you know, top of the rotation weapon for that Milwaukee Brewer staff. I mean, if you can get Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta pitching like this, having Devin Williams, having Josh Hader, and then get Christian Yelich back, I mean, that Brewers team could be a really scary team.
1: Yeah, and um, one other note on Peralta—he he pitched in that game that Oscar and Noah broke his hand in, and he was—he left the game. They were up eight to nothing uh, in the sixth inning, and then the. the brave scored nine runs in the next three innings that just goes to show you how good peralta did in that game of course the brewers ended up winning 10 to 9 but it was it was a game that peralta obviously just completely dominated against the team that was obviously seeing the ball pretty well in that day but um good good stuff for him uh pitcher of the week uh kevin gossman for me um eight innings pitched, 12 strikeouts one one run allowed Kevin Gossman has done such a good job in in San San Francisco. Uh, He had been, you know, we talked about it a little bit last week. He's bounced around a little bit, but his peripherals were always there, and um, he has just found himself in um, in San Francisco and has been pretty remarkably good there. So uh, good for him. Uh, And uh, a couple guys, I just wanted to shout out a couple guys real quick this week, Um, and, and that's you know a couple guys that. Auburn guys that I went to uh, I went to Auburn and I followed these guys and one of them being a pretty high profile guy who probably needs to needs to be talked about a little bit to start with but Casey Mize has really started to figure things out a little bit um he's he's had a quality start in his last three outings and his last start when he went seven and two-thirds innings only allowing one run so that's a really good development for him and for the Tigers who you know drafted him number 1 overall a couple years ago and uh Auburn and and the, the Indians have a have another young up and comer at uh as a pitcher and uh, Tanner Burns uh who is also from Auburn um he has started his first two professional games and in, in high a has pitched in 8 innings and has 14.6 strikeouts per nine, one walk per nine at a 225 ERA. So really, uh, really good stuff from him too. Just wanted to shout out a couple of guys who I've been following a long time through their through their amateur uh, high school and college days. So,
0: Yeah, I want to jump back to Kevin Gossman real quick, actually. Um, yeah. This was a guy, you know, that, like you said, the peripherals were always there. But we talked about him a lot this offseason because he took the chance on himself and took that qualifying offer from the Giants. And if he's able to keep up this pace, obviously we think he's going to regress a little bit. He's not going to have a one eighty four ERA the entire year, but he's a guy who's making himself a lot of money right now. He could have gone out to the market last year and got a two year, three year deal, you know, somewhere probably in the eight to ten million dollars range. But I mean, if he's able to keep this up, he's a guy who can go out there and get, you know, a possible three to four year deal and the twelve to fifteen million dollar range. I think, you know. he could
1: get, I think he could get more than that because if he's able to keep up something even close to, to what he's doing right now this year, I mean, you look at his numbers and, you know, last year he had a 362 ERA on the season, but his peripherals are better than that. And this year he's had a 184 and his peripherals are really good. They're not quite a 184 ERA level peripherals, but they're really, really good. So, you know, I think this might, he might be in line to have another um, – to have an even bigger payday than that so
0: yeah but i mean that just leads into the point he took the bet on himself for that one-year deal with the giants and he's making himself a lot more money than he would have got on the market this year so sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but this is a scenario where it is really working out for a guy like kevin gossman who it was you know at times was flailing in his career and maybe not even looked at on you know being a major league pitcher anymore um and somebody, you know, gave him that chance, and, and he's out here making the most of it. So, shout out to Kevin Gossman and hope you get a, a big payday this offseason. Yeah, and there's a good chance he will. So, hopefully, not with the Giants, though, because th- that means he'll keep facing the Dodgers, and I don't want that. <laughs> but, anyways, guys, thank you for tuning into this episode, listening to us uh, ranting a little bit about uh, bullpen pitchers and Tony La Russa sucking at his job. But, yeah. uh, you know it was a fun episode you know we like to like to branch out and do this stuff a little bit every once in a while so make sure to let us know what you think uh, any of opinions you guys have about this stuff and uh we'll you know maybe be able to bring you guys opinions onto the show at one point so
1: yeah and and i do want to shout out uh damien for going on the mlb daily page uh twitter every day and answering the the questions and i I was able to do it today so uh we're going to keep our streak going what are we at like five days in a
0: row uh i believe it was last wednesday so yeah i think okay. we're close to right there yeah they so didn't do today, it over the weekend they don't do it over the weekend
1: but. yeah so we, we 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 were able to we were able to uh make them they, they changed their rules because we were right so much yeah so, so
0: um, mlb daily guys if you guys are listening to us the gauntlet is thrown down
1: <laughs> and and i think if you look at a. Uh, you know, it, it's kinda like how MLB major league baseball trying to change the rules because guys can't hit against the shift. Yeah. Um, you know, they're gonna try to change their rules to try to, to try to mess us up. So I mean, we'll, you're see, actively, we'll, we'll see how you're, that works. You're
0: actively rooting against us, M L B daily. <laughs> we see you guys. Uh, that's that's fun yeah. hope, hope, hope to get them on the show at some point soon so yeah they're um, pretty awesome well, yeah they are know, they're very good go check them out we do need to find a way to get a get a guest on here we thirty 36 episodes in and we haven't had a guest on yet <laughs> we
1: haven't so we'll, we'll, we'll get something figured out here soon uh, yeah i think uh hopefully with hopefully my new setup here and not too far off from now we'll be able to i'll be able to put a little bit more effort into into everything so other Absolutely. than my ranting and Everything so,
0: (laughs) oh, we already got that covered. That's good. We
1: got that covered. The ranting will not stop here.
0: No, that will not. I promise you guys that. But, anyways, thank you guys for tuning into this episode of the Batfoot Podcast, and we will catch you guys next week. Thanks, everybody.